It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here at Colorado Springs. It's so good to be back with you, but I know you were in good hands while I was gone. Dr. Steve Ford did a wonderful job covering these topics of being like Christ. I mean, really taking out of Chuck Swindoll's wonderful book and resource to challenge each of us. And he had a great interview on this Billion Souls Harvest. If you missed any of that, you can go to our website at calvaryfountain.com, and there you can listen to those broadcasts and more, share them with your friends and family alike. So today we're back on schedule while I was away We were working on the next series of topics as we've been going through the radical teachings of Jesus. As you know, we spent a number of weeks talking about what it means to turn the other cheek and to love our enemies. Easier said than done. That's why these are the radical teachings of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about keeping our eyes on eternity because it's really a discussion about where our allegiances lie. Are we in love with the system of this world? Babylon, as Scripture often calls it, it doesn't matter that it's, this is not a regional Babylon. This is the system of Babylon that we read about in the book of Revelation, and the love of money or the love of God. And so the money really represents then the entire system that we're accustomed to, of laying up treasures on earth versus laying up treasures in heaven. And so to go through all of this, which is really going to take us a few weeks, you know how we are by now, 25 minutes just goes by way too fast. But one of my dear friends who really has taken you into God's Word over these past three weeks and did just fine without me, but what a blessing (laughs) he is. Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. So great to have you back in the saddle again. It's great to be back together again. And I think that that uh, folks out there will find this, as I did, and even talking about the disciplines that were involved in being a disciple of Jesus Christ, very convicting. When we cover these things on the radio, and we're preparing these things, we're studying these things, like, ooh, ah, I'm just, I'm convicted along the way, and I think it's going to be a blessing to everybody who's listening today. So we're actually applying what we're teaching. Right, right. That's wonderful. (laughs) At least it starts with us, right? And then hopefully all the listeners can do likewise. It starts with the house of God, right? (laughs) That's right, amen. Well, as I mentioned, we are talking about eyes on eternity, and as this radical teaching number three comes up here, I know, Dr. Ford, we're going to need a few weeks to get through this because mm-hmm. it really is convicting. That's what it should be. Every time we open God's Word, we should be convicted. And this study comes to us from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24, and it really addresses the root problem in our lives, uh, the, the, the things that cause us to worry succumbing to stress and anxiety. And so what we do here is we're going to put a magnifying glass with what Jesus taught us at the Sermon on the Mount, and it's going to put a magnifying glass on our hearts to examine where all of these allegiances lie, because we are so accustomed to everything in the box. And all the stuff in the box, how we think, how we operate, it's like this uh, the terrarium in the cosmos that we just think like those who are in the terrarium. And rather, what we need to do is think differently. We're to be transformed by the washing and renewing of our mind that we represent a better kingdom and a better king. And and when we really examine just how brief we live in these bodies, 1 Corinthians 15 gives us a great deal of information about that, how these temporary bodies are to be used in in this service 
in this world, in this particular time, and it's a, it's a breath, it's a vapor, as James describes it, very short. And so we don't have a do-over. We've got one life to live in service to the king, the true king of kings. And so, Dr. Ford, uh, if you have it there handy, if not, I can read it. But certainly, I think just to kick us off of Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24, do you have that there you could share with us? Yeah, Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust and where thieves break in and steal. I should say moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mm, powerful text. So we'll obviously need to take a few weeks to go through that yeah. uh, verse by verse Unpack there. That. And so Matthew 6, really one of the main points that I draw away from this is our relationship as Christians to our Heavenly Father. That is repeated frequently throughout this section. In fact, 11 different times the significance and importance of that relationship is highlighted. So that's really the root of the matter, our relationship with God. If that is right, if that's the plumb line, everything else will properly align to that. How we spend money, how we engage in relationships, how we serve, all of these things. It'll no longer be a works-based relationship. You'll find yourself doing because you're so in love with God right? There'll be direct cascading effects of that proper alignment exercise in our life. And I find that my life gets properly aligned a lot better when I go to prayer in the morning. When I remember to whom I have pledged my allegiance of my life and service, when I pray for my loved ones, when I pray for my work that day, when I start to see everything as a mission opportunity where lives can be saved, that, that co-worker in a cubicle across from you, or, or maybe you're working in a, in a shop bay somewhere, those individuals all around you now become opportunities for you to bear the light, as he's talking about there. So we've got much to cover, and I think ultimately this is all about us becoming and acting like children of God. If we pull that from Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 17, "...for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption." by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. <laughs> Love that text. I mean, what a powerful, amazing thing to consider, to know that we are children of the Most High God. And, and not, do we, not only do we just call him God or Father God, but he is Abba, Daddy, right? That is a very intimate relationship. And this is what he ultimately wants us to see, that, that we are children of God. So why do you care so much about things that are going away? You put an awful lot of time and attention into things that are very temporary and take your eyes off of that, which is eternal. Yeah, I think that one of the things that really amazes me is that it, it wasn't an, enough for God that he sent his son to save us 
but he also adopted us. He could have just stopped at saving us without adopting right. us. Mm-hmm. That, didn't, that's, that didn't have to happen. But out of love, he chose to adopt us and make us part of his family. Mm-hmm. I think we need to internalize that. That's right. And, he, and, and to understand here, too, I, I, again, I'm very sensitive to this. Uh, you know, there's been a number of uh, even elections of various officials who, uh, in, especially in various uh, Protestant circles, that seem to really emphasize the church age and the blessings of the church to be adopted and grafted in, but not at the absence of what God is doing through Israel, right? right. And Romans 11 really clarifies that. We need to remember here that God has a wonderful plan for Israel just as he has for his church. And of all the people groups on the face of the earth who should love and have compassion and have a desire to even defend uh, the people of Israel, it should be Christians, right? And that, that should be our heart in this as we see the wonderful plan of God unfolding right before our eyes. Yeah, it's so clear in the Old Testament that God does not give up and has not given up on the nation of Israel. That's right. Amen. So in Matthew 6, uh, Jesus here, he brings up two big temptations we all face as believers that distract us ultimately. They pull us away from the importance and satisfaction that we can have in our relationship with God the Father. So the first temptation that's evidenced here is what he captures in verses 1 to 18. And the subject that we've often covered before when we've gone through the Gospel of Matthew is externalism. Externalism. It's the religious man doing his works before other men to receive the praise of man rather than doing it with the right motives to glorify God. So Jesus says that if we seek the praise of men, we have our reward. But if we seek the glory of God, the, the God's good pleasure, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, we've talked about that. And hearing those words, that is a reward that's eternal. And the second temptation that we often face as believers is a temptation of being like the world, seeking treasures on this earth. I mean, it really gives us the instant gratification that if I labor for this, I have enough money, I can buy the car I want. I can buy the home I want, all the, the possessions. There's an immediate return on my sacrifice rather than laboring for a kingdom that we do not yet behold. Uh, we, we think about the, the new Jerusalem that will come down from heaven. We've got wonderful descriptions of this in Scripture, though it's not an all-inclusive description. It just gives us a glimpse, right? right. Something amazing to behold. And yet we have to take it by faith. Right, we can't just see it with these earthly eyes, these these fleshly vessel eyes. We've got to take it with with another soul that that comes by way of faith to see where we cannot yet behold the substance of it physically. Right, and that, that's something that comes by way of faith. And Hebrews talks about that in the faith chapter of Hebrews chapter eleven. So we we have this great temptation before us to lay up these treasures on earth. And we feel in some way, and I use that word loosely here, tongue-in-cheek, feel, (laughs) that often directs a lot of Christians, right? That's a four-letter word, F-E-E-L. We use that an awful lot to to direct our path. May it never be. If we go to Ecclesiastes even, we, we get put into a proper mindset of where all of these treasures really end up, that they will go to moth and dust and corrosion, ultimately destruction, as we see the earth will even be purged by fire at some point in the near future. So we seek to find security and satisfaction in temporary things instead of what we know through Christ Jesus of this beautiful, wonderful gift of relationship with God the Father that we see access to his throne in Romans chapter 8. So the big question that I draw away from the Sermon on the Mount, Dr. Ford, is where is your heart? Where's your allegiance? 
What do you truly seek? Do you really seek the things of this world? And then you checkbox a relationship with God because it really uh, gives us some, some sense of peace that we're good with God, but really all we wanted was the world. And, and the Lord knows the desires of our heart. Is your heart seeking self or after a real vibrant relationship with God? That's really what he's going right. to put the magnifying glass on here. And it, we might actually be, be deceiving ourselves, thinking that we really are in love with God and his ways. Do we truly love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength? Or, or, or are we really just giving him lip service? That we think we do, but really all of our actions show that we're in love with this world. Yeah. And we really want the praises of men. So in a lot of ways, we, we put on many masks, many faces, so people perceive us as spiritual or godly. When in reality, deep in our hearts, in our private life even, we struggle with fears, temptations, desiring the things of this world, even desiring man's praises instead of glorifying God, holy, fully. So when nations and economies fall before the great and fearful day of the Lord, would we ultimately be able to say we're okay, we're at peace with having only our Bible and our spouse? Maybe not even our spouse. Maybe not even our Bible. Right. We're totally at peace with the holy presence of God in and through us that is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that that's enough, that that intimacy, that knowing that God is with us, that we are not alone and he's seen all, and he knows the number of the hairs on our head, and a sparrow can't fall to the ground without his knowing. Can we truly act like Job? The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah. Or like Elijah, when he thought he was the only one. Right. And he was on the run. Of course, now we know that Elijah was lamenting, and right. we know that Job was <laughs> lamenting. Let's not uh, undermine the fact that they had real human emotion, but their total fullness would be found only in Christ, only in God the Father's good pleasure over their service. And I think that's where we have to really understand that if that's what we seek, then to lose everything or to have nothing in the eyes of men like John the Baptist, who didn't dress the part, didn't eat the lavish meals, was out in the wilderness, total faithful service to the Lord and and to make way for the coming king, that was enough, fully satisfied in the Lord's good pleasure. So the Lord tells us that we shall re- receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life if we're willing to let this world go in pursuit of heavenly goals, as we read in Matthew 19, verse 29. So Jesus directly addresses the heart by asking the question, where is your treasure? And then in verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So so the scripture teaches that the heart is the control center of your life. I mean, really, the Hebrews would see it as this is the place of your character, your integrity, even interconnected with the mind. This is the place of decision, the place of allegiance. Uh, So it's not just the organ pumping between your chest cavity. It it was something of the person's life uh, that was reflected there in the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Right, So this is really a very center of a man, uh, and what we have to understand here is that you're a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. We've said that before, but I don't know that it always fully clicks, uh, because this body goes away, and those who are in Christ receive a brand new body to be with the Lord forever and ever with. It's like what car you drive right now doesn't really define you. It's a mode of transportation to get to and from work and maybe wherever you plan to go, but ultimately it comes and goes just like this body. 
and just like all the treasures that we lay up here on this earth. So in, in this message, Dr. Ford, I think there's really three questions that, that are asked of us. The first question we must ask ourselves is, where is our treasure? The second is, where is our focus? So what are our eyes really focused on? Are we really focused on that which is seen or that which is unseen? And the third question is, who or what are you serving? Really, where do we spend the most of our labors? Uh, Because if we're seeing work as a means to gather more money so that we can do our purposes, I don't know, saving up for that vacation, the new boat, whatever it is, and then we find that we're giving God the scraps at the end of the week, that's reverse priorities. That's an inverted priority system. And it dominates the way we think, especially as, I, I don't know, maybe the entrepreneurial spirit, the old American way, uh, that we we believe that if we amass certain materialistic items, that somehow that means we're successful in the eyes of men. And all I find is that all I did was just add more stress to my daily living. Yeah. I mean, because cars stress me out. They're always breaking down. That's right. You have a house in Colorado, you're going to be stressed out. When is the next hailstorm? I mean, when does the the paint start peeling and concrete is constantly moving and and constantly shifting because the ground is shifting? I mean, there's constant problems with all this stuff that we amass, and then we wonder why we're stressed out all the time. I'm not saying that we don't. We certainly need shelter. We certainly need transportation in some mode or fashion of that. But but these things dominate the way we think, and then we even say, well, if I have those things, then I'll have a good reputation amongst other men. Then they'll listen to me when I give them God's message. But we never seem to arrive at that because trying to amass all these things is so time consuming. And then we find that we're maybe in the last of our years and then finally able to do something with the leftovers of our life that we could give to the Lord as if we can manage all of that, as if we have control over it anyway. So here Jesus is surrounded by religious people, Sadducees and Pharisees, men who look very religious on the outside, but who in their hearts are serving money and themselves rather than God. So he's asking us to repent, to change our minds on all of these things, and to live a life of faith and to serve the one true God while there is still breath in your body to do so. You know, and as I just mentioned, sometimes we think, well, I'll give, you know, 60 years to my career, and then maybe those final 20 years or whatever it looks like, 10 years maybe by that point, because (laughs) I don't know, too many people started their careers when they were first born. Uh, But after college and all these things, we think, okay, I'll give the next 50 years or so to to career, and then I'll give the leftover to the Lord. And and how often we are so amiss on that line of thinking. I I don't think that the thief on the cross thought his day was going to go that way. Right. Right. (laughs) But there he was having to make a decision. And praise be to God that in his final moments, he was able to make that decision for the Lord. We don't always have that. When you think about it, you know, one of the, the values of this life, at one point I thought, well, if heaven is so great, what is the purpose of even being here? You know, right. why, why, should, why, why wouldn't we just want to be in heaven? But when you think about all eternity, we will never have another opportunity to serve God in the same way that we will while we are here on this planet in this life. It's a one-shot deal. We may do other things. We may have other opportunities, but we will never have another opportunity to love and serve him in quite this way. That's right. And, and this will never repeat throughout all of eternity. Right. right? I, I cannot imagine. And the way the Bible describes the sorrow that Jesus went through, the heartache, knowing that he would have to face the cross, and he did this with a love that is beyond human comprehension, an agape love 
to the will of God the Father to so love us and to to redeem us and save us and give us a hope and a future, this is never to be repeated. This was something unique in all of space and time, this, this, this continuum that God had even made, that he is ruler over time itself, that when we're in his presence, an atemporal presence forever and ever, it will be wonderful indeed. We will learn something new all the time, but never for this particular sequence of events ever to happen again. And when we have that proper perspective, Dr. Ford, as you just indicated, then suddenly we put on a mission-mindedness right. that there's urgency. There, there's a purpose, like perhaps like we've never seen or thought before, because if we're always trying to amass treasures here, uh, then we will not only try to fill a void that will never be filled, but we'll also be disappointed over and over again, not having put our eyes on the true prize. As we discuss this, which what keeps playing over in my head is Jesus' words that when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Mm. And we know that he set us free from sin and death. That's very that's clearly evident in Scripture. But he also, there are other things that he wants to set us free from, from the, the burden of worrying about our possessions and anxiety and all those other things that you've talked about. And when you listen to people about who analyze where our culture is today, we are the most anxious, worrisome People in the history of our country, people have, and you know, rarely, if ever, been this concerned about what's going to happen, how things are going. Am I going to be secure? Can I pay my bills? Jesus came and said, "I want to set you free from all of that. Right. You know, seek first my kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The heavenly Father is there for you. We're going to take care of you. Just put us first. That's right. Amen. And so let's repeat it once again here. And what we'll have to do is come back to this, Doctor Ford, because there's some great examples." that are given to us scripturally that we can really learn and draw from. I, I think it's in Romans where we find that uh, where he tells us that all of these things have been captured for our learning, right. uh, that all of them, even the mistakes of the patriarchs and matriarchs, where they, they lost sight of those treasures that awaited. I mean, you have even Jonah, for example, who in the midst of being used mightily in Nineveh, can't see the wonderful thing that <laughs> God has God. done. Yeah. I mean, I, I granted, I understand his lamenting. Sure. I understand that here were people who were sacrificing their children. Right. I've heard from archaeologists and some of the articles that I've read that they had been skinning their enemies, uh, you know, almost like uh, nailing them to the outer walls. I mean, horrific things that you might see in some gruesome apocalyptic film. And so no wonder you wouldn't want them to be spared what you would think in your mind is judge, jury, and executioner that they would deserve. Uh, but yet God... And he always used Israel then to be this messenger of hope and, and calling people to repentance before judgment might come upon you. And we see that over and over again through Scripture. And of course, then we see the patriarchs who, like Gideon, would have a, an unbelievable being used by God moment and then take their eyes off the standard, the plumb line, and not finish well. Right. Right. And I think, Dr. Ford, that's our heart in Engage in Truth, is that we help our brothers and sisters yeah, finish, well. finish well. Fight the good fight. Don't grow weary in doing good. Armor up today. The battle right. is real, and the battle for your mind is very real to pull you away from your first love. Dare right. we not be Ephesus, the loveless church of the seven churches called out in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 to 3, and you see these seven churches, only two are commended the rest are, are have these condemnations, if you will, these very serious reprimands. You have lost your moorings. You have forgotten your first love. Ephesus, the first one who were reminded. I mean, Paul says, I, I'm appealing to you with tears. Yeah. 
day and night, I never stopped cr- praying for you and, and that you would stay the course. And yet they would be the first ones reprimanded by Christ with very harsh words. Get yeah. your act together. So as we appeal to the listener right now, it's because we also have gone through some of this where we have kept maybe going through the ebbs and flows of where we thought we were pretty even keel, that we're right there with the Lord. And what we found is maybe we were offline a yeah. bit. Yeah. I needed to come back to where we're supposed to be. So that's why out of the heart, we we appeal to you that you would heed these words and, and fight the good fight while there's breath left in our bodies, that lives to be saved, a good work to be done. And, and may it be that when we all see the Lord and we stand in celebration, that we likewise, as he puts a crown on our head, we would be able to cast it before his own feet and shout, holy, 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 glory are you almighty, that these would be the celebrations we would have because we already saw that it was his good work through us, but we also recognize that the Lord is worthy of all praises. And that's what we want you to celebrate with us, brothers and sisters. And as you've said, to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this, as you can see and hear already. We're going to need a few weeks. I think I've got <laughs> like 25 pages of notes. We got through like four today. <laughs> so we've got a lot to cover these next few weeks as we continue to understand a little bit more about keeping our eyes on eternity. If you want to listen to this broadcast and more, again, this is a program, a ministry, a message from Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.org or calvaryfountain.com. And there you'll find this broadcast and more and go share it with your friends and family alike. We love you. God bless you, my friends. Take care.